everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Wrap right here on the Fiking Media Network. Happy Monday to you all as we jumpstart a brand new week in the world of WWE. I'm Keela Cash, and by my side, as always, is my right-hand man, my co-captain, the sometimes advocate for Von Wagner, the wise man himself. I bring to you, as always, Salty Scott Young. Welcome back, Salty. Thank you, Keela, for having me. It's always a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things WWE. And uh, it was a good week, you know, to, to talk WWE. I, uh, I enjoyed both shows, or all three shows, I should say. I even enjoyed the fourth show of NXT UK. It was, it was a good week to uh, watch WWE all around. And even a shout-out goes to main event. The T-Bar, Mustafa Ali match was pretty badass as well. So get this, four shows under the WWE umbrella was pretty damn good this week. I think that might be a record. Yeah, and uh, I hope this is, you know, we kind of talked about it off air, whether this is a a trend or if this is kind of an anomaly of of a couple weeks, you know, and a, a lucky string of events. I, I, you know, like I, like we said, I, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm halfway there. I'm almost ready to throw my hat in, but I, he, Triple H still has a little bit of that Vince in him, and so we might get that rug pulled from out of us. But I, I think I, I think I'm close enough to have faith that I'm ready to throw my hat in. I'm cautiously optimistic. Do I want Kevin Dunn fired? Absolutely. But I just love stability on my shows. We got stable shows Monday, Tuesdays, and Fridays now. I'm very happy about that. There's not a crazy person ripping up a script every other minute. It's just like a show that I can sit back, relax, and just not be angry. I'm happy watching wrestling. I'm not irritated now as a WWE viewer, and that's refreshing to see. Well, I'm still irritated, but not as irritated for sure. But, you know, it's you could definitely see there are strides being made. And we're going to talk about on the show, like just for an example, two big themes throughout this week were and two, you know, you could tell goals of the week were establishing not only the champions in Bobby Lashley and, and Gunther, but establishing that these championships that they are holding are prestigious and the men who have held them have are hall of famers. So, you know, kind of establishing the brands and making sure that, you know, it's not just the Roman Reigns show. Like we have great talent all around and we're going to start giving them that spotlight. And we got two great championship matches from those presentations, which we'll get to shortly. And as you mentioned, it's time to highlight the IC and U.S. titles as titles that matter, that these are titles that can be a stepping stone towards being a WWE, a universal champion someday. I love the video packages. I love the lineage of these titles and the men that hold them and the challengers that vie for these titles as well. It just felt like a very important step forward for WWE to say these championships matter. All of our our championships matter in some shape or form. And it's about time the IC title and the U.S. title gets some much needed respect on Raw and SmackDown. And here's hoping that transfers to premium live events. I still say this. The IC title has not been defended since WrestleMania of last year on a pay-per-view. That must change starting at Clash at the Castle. And I, and I think it will. I, I don't know who it'll be against, but I, Gunther's promos have all been about, you know, especially this last one that really stood out was he wants the competition. He wants tougher people. He wants more. He wants to be, you know, he wants the best of the best to go after him. 
I have to think he's building towards a pretty big matchup. So I, I think he's going to get somebody. I'd love to see him and Sheamus go at it at Clash. I think that would be a great physical battle. Sheamus is, I'll say this all the time, and I will say this every time, Sheamus's matches are completely different when it comes to WWE. He just brings a different type of physicality. And Gunther's a guy that can match that physicality. Just Them two just trading blows would be a joy to watch. They will be bruised up when it's all said and done. And Sheamus is a great brawler, a great fighter, and that would be a fantastic match. But I believe Michael Cole dropped a hint that John Cena might be a challenger very, very soon for Gunther because there is one championship that Cena has never won in WWE, and that is the Intercontinental Championship. You know, that was a, if Cena was going to come back this year, that was a match that I thought would have been good for Gunther. But you know how when does Cena come back and when do you do that match? That's a that's a big time matchup, and I almost think Cena needs to win that match because I feel like Cena Cena does need to go ahead and get that IC title complete. Go ahead and complete that bingo card, but where do you where do you want him to have that big moment at? Where do you kind of want to to have that in WrestleMania in LA, man? You want to sell out? You know, you're trying to sell out that stadium, and you want to make sure you have plenty of big moments and. Ah, man, that would be a great moment for John Cena to win that IC title at WrestleMania because that also means that Gunther gets a long and dominant title reign. So I'm all for it. I hope they hold out and it's not something they just throw away on SmackDown or even a Survivor Series because it's bigger than that at this point. Absolutely. But Cena's on that rock schedule now. You don't know if he's going to be available. He's filming Peacemaker right now. So that's why we got one day of the summer of Cena this year. So the man's booked. Hopefully it's at WrestleMania, but you never know. But I love the hint that Michael Cole dropped during the main event of SmackDown, which we will get to eventually. But I do want to briefly touch on the top story this week, which is once again, former chairman of the board, Vince McMahon, paying out another $5 million between the year of two. 2007 and 2009 and the total Scott is now 19.6 million dollars he's paid more for sex in some ways than WCW the ECW intellectual library and pretty much anything he's bought in terms of properties that you can put on the network in the last 20 years which is staggering you know, I uh, at this point, when it comes to Vince, the the numbers, just you know, anything that comes out about it, it's it's just it's it's a bit numbing at this point because you're, it, I'm I'm almost like kind of expecting more. I'm still expecting more. It's like all right, okay, okay. I, I'm almost still expecting a big bomb to drop. So, I, you know, it's. It's just numbing at this point when we talk about Vince McMahon and just the scumbag stuff that he and his and his cronies were all a part of. Um, you know, we 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 talk about the differences we've seen in the product, and you know, there just seems to be a different energy and attachment from the fans. So let's, let's let's talk about that too. There seems to be a different type of talk amongst WWE and it's because Vince McMahon is gone. There's a different interest in WWE and it's simply because he's gone. So, you know, this stuff that we're, that we're hearing this, this, you know, this, this nonsense about the money and all this, when I say nonsense, I mean, it's just, it's just ridiculous. The amount of money that he paid and all this stuff that he's gotten away with for so long, it's just numbing because it's like, 
I'm not surprised, man. We I, we all know who this guy is. We all know the type of person behind closed doors that he is. He is that scumbag character he plays on TV. Like that's that is literally him. So, you know, the product is better because he's not I mean, Vince. I'm not one of those that hate that you know doesn't think Vince brought something to the game. He said Vince brought a lot to the product and some of his ideas and he's brought plenty of bad to it too but overall it's the moving forward the product is already it's already improved people are already seeing the improvements so i you know i'm kind of over vince mcmahon and and just the the ridiculousness of this number and everything that's surrounding him right now yeah i feel numb to it as well because he's no longer in power and the news just feels like, oh, great, there's more money being paid out, but at least he's gone now. Right. And this is a reminder that he's never coming back. And I get kind of irritated when I hear certain WWE Hall of Famers saying he's not completely gone. No, he's gone. He's not coming back in any position of power. He has no sway base and has been hired back by WWE in recent weeks. And the quality of the shows have changed drastically in three to four weeks. It's a different type of show that you can see that an old man was holding over our heads for so long that he was unable to evolve as a booker. Thank God somebody's there now that is going to bring stability to the product. But there is more to this story. More n- more news will come out eventually regarding more hush money payments. I still expect a real sports story to drop from HBO very soon as well. But on the bright side to all of this, we got some news that John Laurinaitis is officially gone from WWE and may he never, ever come back. And here's hoping Mama Bella kicks his ass out the house. Uh, the only thing I'm going to say about this, because, you know, we got a lot of we have a lot more important, intriguing, interesting and just better stuff to talk about than than, than the cronies. But I will say this. Um, I'm with you as far as Mama Bella, because she deserves better. You know, she don't deserve to be stuck with this scumbag. And I hope that Daniel Bryan locks Laurenitis in a room with him and the BCC and they just go ahead and, and, and really really go to go to town on Laurenitis and let let that boy have it so uh and, and a legit shoot I would love that see, they they and... got they got the guns to do that you know what I'm like they got the legit William Regal Daniel Bryan John Moxley I don't know if you can fight for real but I got I know the mother hey. three I don't you know, I don't know if he can <laughs> maybe he can but I know the mother three can throw hands for real so <laughs> wow. I'm not saying you're questioning the legitimacy of Willie Yuta as a shoot fighter. Your, <laughs> your nerve. Your nerve on this show. And Claudio's superhuman, so I don't have to worry about him. So, you know, he'll just scoop up Laurenitis if he tries something and toss him around like a sandbag. I would love to see it. And as an added bonus, because I know this will happen eventually. The soon to be adopted son of Brian Danielson, Daniel Garcia, would stretch out Johnny Ace as well. He can come too. And I would love to see it. Yes, he can come too. Daniel Garcia, future son of Brian Danielson, will be also on site to whoop that ass accordingly before they kick John Laurinaitis to the curve at long last. But let's stop talking about the trash that's been tossed aside by y'all. Let's talk about Triple H. 
the new head of creative in WWE. And he's been making some money moves as of late, bringing people back that have been fired due to budget cuts. And now we see where the budget cuts went in terms of all those hush payments by Vince McMahon. But I digress on all of that. But we have noticed that people have returned to WWE in recent weeks, ranging from Karrion Cross to Scarlett to Dexter Loomis to this past Friday on SmackDown, Hit Row is back. And we had this conversation last week very loosely in that who would benefit the most from Triple H being in charge of creative? Who's going to get a renewed push on SmackDown? We saw that last week with Ricochet, Ciampa, Shayna Baszler, and there's more to come based on what we see on main event, which will eventually transfer to Monday Night Raw as well. So Scott, I know you've been thinking about this for the last week or so. So you have a list in mind of people that are going to be very, very happy under the Triple H administration and some people that might be a little concerned about their spot on the main roster moving forward. Yeah. And I think it's an interesting kind of case by case thing because, you know, things have probably changed from when they were under Triple H as far as what they've done, what they've shown or what they haven't shown. Um, You know, I think of guys, when I think of guys and girls who, are going to be or who should be excited about having Triple H back. And you can kind of see it already. I think of a guy like Kevin Owens, like we already see him going. He, he no games with, with, the, with uh, Ezekiel no more. There's, there's no more games with that. Like K- KO came out threw that man around just like he ragdolled Sami Zayn, you know, back, back on NXT. That's what he looked like. He had that same cold look in his eyes. He was that prize fighter again, we could see something coming with, with Kevin Owens. Um, another person that people may not be thinking about that I think under, un, you know, could be under the radar, start getting a little bit more love, whether in singles or in the tag. I think Chad Gable's a guy that should also be kind of kept an eye on. He's somebody that got a lot of love when he was in NXT. You know, American Alpha was a big, a big part of that that core where they had some of the, the great matches in the tag division. So that's another guy that I would also keep an eye on. You know, when it comes to the women, that's, you know, we, we, we're seeing that already. Shayna Baszler. We already see that she, she's looked better already than she has probably since she ran through the elimination chamber and then got fed to Becky Lynch, you know, and now, and we all know how that turned out. That was, that was a big mistake as well. Uh, Mustafa Ali, you mentioned him on main event. That's another guy that I think is going to kind of get more looks, get more time to get over. Uh, somebody that we've talked about on this show multiple times that would be a great fit for Judgment Day. Um, and that whole group are guys that Triple H really likes is Dominic Dijakovic. Um, he's another guy that I think could get a lot more love, a lot more shine. Um, we talk about some of the women Nikki Ash is somebody I hope goes back to Nikki Cross. You know, we don't have sanity, but that doesn't mean she has to have her, you know, she can lose her sanity at any point in time and go back to Nikki Cross. Or if you want to say she could get her sanity back and become Nikki Cross back to who she really is. You know, there's, it's, it's an interesting question because I I do wonder how, how do these people fit in? We see how Champa's starting to fit in, but he's with the Miz and it kind of, this dynamic really works right there. When you think about a Chad Gable and an Otis and kind of where they are as a tag team, they they fit really well together. They work really well together. But how hard do you push them in the tag division? When you think about Chad Gable in the singles division, 
how hard do you push him? You know, how is he a guy that you really get behind? You know, is, is he some, you know, is he someone that there or that WWE is really going to get serious behind in the singles division? We saw Ricochet get a big win over Baron Corbin, somebody who is really doesn't lose a lot. He only, Baron Corbin only loses to the top, top guys. Ricochet picks a big win. Yeah, he was distracted. But Ricochet is also another guy that gets a lot of love. I could see him getting showcased a little bit more, being a little bit more protected. So when he does take those losses, uh, it means a little bit more. And I think that's the thing that we're going to see with a lot of these Triple H guys and girls is that we're going to see them get more wins on TV. Like, I think that's part of bringing more guys and girls in. And we see more squash matches now than we've normally seen. Like that's something I think we should continue to see Bobby Roode. Where has he been? You know, we see Ziggler come back as, you know, babyface Ziggler. He's doing his thing on his own. There's no more dirty dogs. Do we get glorious Robert Roode back? You know, Roderick strong. That's a guy that everybody thought was clearly on his way out to go join his boys. Is he somebody that you kind of take a second? Does he kind of take a second look and say, you know what? Maybe I will stay down here and two, especially if I can stay down here in 2.0 and just do my thing with these guys. Maybe I do. Maybe I'll go up with Hunter. I, because Triple H knows what Roderick can bring, knows the type of match quality that he can bring. And just in a group, he knows that Roderick can work really well. So, you know, those are a couple of the guys and girls that I, I think can get a, a renewed look. And, you know, a couple of people that I do or that I kind of question and I, you know, I wonder about as far as I don't know, because I don't know what what those Triple H think about a, a Braun Breaker, a Carmelo Hayes, the Creed Brothers, Tiffany Stratton, a lot of this 2.0 crew. You know, these are people that during the Triple H time in, in NXT they didn't get they didn't get that love. They didn't get that shine until Vince McMahon came and gave that makeover and was like, yo, these are the people that are taking over the show. So I, you know, I do wonder about them. How where does Triple H see them? You know, Braun Breaker, I, you know, I could see Triple H. All right, I, I see it. Carmelo Hayes, I'm I'm hoping that Shawn Michaels is in his ear, like, yeah, he's the guy. You know, he is the guy. He is who he says he is. The Creed Brothers, Tiffany Stratton, people like that, even a Roxanne. Like, where do these people fit in when it comes to Triple H? Because I don't know what he thinks about it. Because when he was in charge, they weren't to be seen. That is a very good point. And I kind of want to touch on the Tiffany Stratton thing for a very brief moment. In that the second week he was in charge fully, she was a gymnast again. He reminded you this is who she is. She's not a daddy's girl. She's an Olympian, a gymnast that competed in the Olympics as an alternate about five or six years ago. So you see the tilt in terms of her true presentation in some shape or form. And Vince, for all of his many faults, he did illuminate the talent that was sitting there doing nothing, especially with Bond Breaker in the last year or so. I, I do think that Triple H sees value in Carmelo and Trick Williams, Shawn Michaels is in that ear because he's an advocate for like, listen, they're not big guys necessarily outside of Trick, but they can work. They got charisma. And look at me. I made a career out of making it work. So trust me on this. So I do have high hopes for a Roxanne Perez to make it up to the main roster. The question marks I have is maybe for theory in a lot of ways. I know he might have had a death in the family recently, 
But you do see even before then that his presentation was a bit more muted on SmackDown and Monday Night Raw prior to SummerSlam. Maybe there's buyer's remorse as to him being Mr. Money in the Bank, out of sight, out of mind. I do not know. But those are things I'm looking at as well in terms of who do you really view as someone that is going to be a part of your vision moving forward? And I go to something that Dave Meltzer mentioned on his show on Tuesday, recapping Monday Night Raw about the size. And if this is Vince maybe a uh maybe two or three months ago of course size would be the number one priority but with triple h he's way more open-minded and evolved this is triple h 20 years ago absolutely not but in this case he's going to be about who can i make a star who can get over with the audience he's not stuck on the aesthetic of you must look this way in order to be a wwe superstar is what you can do in the ring to connect with the people and i think that is something that he is going to illuminate a bit more on Raw and SmackDown moving forward and, and NXT to Perno will be a bridge towards his vision long term as well. No, I, I think that's that's all spot on. And you know it's this this whole thing it, it's I think that's part of the whole intrigue of what's gonna happen with everybody. You know theory and theory's an interesting case too. I don't think theory's gonna continue or at least down this same trajectory with this monster kind of push that he's gotten. But I don't think it's going to fall off that much. You know, I, I think I said this last week, he was still getting significant time with the way, you know, he was still a big part of the show. He was still in multiple segments. He was still getting a lot of in-ring time and him and Johnny were all doing some tag team matches as well. So I still think he's going to be an intricate part of the show. I see them, kind of using him as they kind of use Kevin Owens and, and Sami Zayn whenever they were on Raw and just filling segments because they, they can do that. They can take losses. They can put they can produce good long matches. So I think that's something that you'll see out of theory going forward until they're really ready to get behind, or at least until Triple H is really ready to get behind them and put that rocket strap on them, in my opinion. And I, and I, I do want to touch on one more person that I mentioned, Finn Balor. I, you know, if... If Dominic Di, you know, Dijak joins Judgment Day, which I think he should, and I, I, w- I think it would be a great fit for that group and would be a nice piece because I could see Finn and Rhea kind of being this, you know, dark king and queen of the Judgment Day with, with you know, their, you know, the if you think of it ch- as chess pieces, we got, you know, the, the king and queen, Finn and Rhea, and then you got your, you know, your big your big rooks or your bishops as, as Do- uh, Damien and Dominic. I, I could definitely see them building up a a big time match with Finn and Edge because they've kept them apart and they've done a good job with that. And I hope that's something they they continue to do. And Finn Balor has been picking up multiple wins over Rey Mysterio. He has looked stronger in the last couple weeks than he's looked in a long time. So I hope that this is kind of a sign of things to come that Finn Balor is really going to be a focal point I, I still want Rhea to kind of be the, the the hoss of that group like she is, but it seems like Finn Balor is really getting some significant spotlight, especially with back-to-back wins over Rey Mysterio. And I am so happy 
that Damien Priest is not telling us to all rise. I'm glad we have eliminated that from the Judgment Day lingo because it sucked. He was able to talk in his own voice for a change. And Finn Balor always said this about NXT. It's Broadway for me. I'm stripped down. I can do what I want to do. He never got that on the main roster. He was always overproduced. He had to smile all the damn time. Now he's able to lean into who he's meant to be, be the cool badass and by all means, dish the pants. I don't like it very much. He admits it's a bit sweaty for him as well. Bring back the trunks, but maintain that aura of Judgment Day being a bunch of badasses with Rhea Ripley being front and center as she should. Because to me, she is the glue that holds his crew together. But I have more hope with them as a unit with Triple H in charge of things. And as I mentioned last week, the benefit of Sami Zayn being a baby face speaks for itself. And we got great subtle storytelling on SmackDown that will build up to Sammy's face turn very, very soon as well. Ezekiel, I mentioned him getting tossed around. That's another name that we'll probably not see anymore. I think next time we see uh, Zeke, he will be known. He will be as his former alter ego. So he'll be off TV long enough for his beard to grow out (laughs) as a natural beard. And Elias is coming back. Let me let me go ahead and tell you, Elias will come back for revenge on Kevin Owens and will smash a guitar over his head in about a month or so. That's that's going to happen. I sense that as well. And as we said on the show before, Elias wrestling like Ezekiel is the perfect combination. It worked. It worked. He got better as a wrestler, but unfortunately, he was generic wrestler number 25 from 2K22. He was a local yokel, and that's no offense to Ezekiel, but the man needs a beard, damn it. He needs a beard to really stand out, and if you have that and his charisma that is Elias, you got a star that can work. There you go, and hopefully, we go there with him going away for a bit, growing back the beard, not the you know, attached hair he had on his face, but the actual beard grown back to be Elias once again and pay back Kevin Owens, but also be a standout star on Monday Night Raw as well, because as I mentioned before, he has improved as a wrestler, but he was very generic as a personality by being Ezekiel. Yeah, and, and you know, just... just you know, the whole Elias thing where he just ran his course and he needed time away. And I think that's something that... WWE is still going to it's still going to be a problem because this roster is so small now that you know they cut everybody to pay for Vince McMahon's all you know all his payments he's had to make this 20 million and, and more like he's cut all these people and we have to we have to remember that there's this roster's th- this is a thin roster for three shows you know, it's, there's not a lot of talent, especially when you talk about keeping people fresh, keeping people off TV for two, three weeks. You know, can you do that without running through a rematch two weeks in a row? You know, that's that kind of becomes the issue. And that's the hard part about keeping a guy off of TV for two, for three and four weeks at a time. So hopefully with this bolstering of the roster and continuing to bring guys in and we need to make sure we temper expectation when guys do come in and stuff, everybody can't be a top guy and that's not everybody's role. Sometimes guys come in just to be kind of a mid card guy, upper mid card guy or girl. And that's fine because we need that too, but you just need to bolster that roster. That way guys aren't on TV every week. That's the problem. Guys and girls don't need to be on TV every week at the end of the day. 
Yes, rotation is key. And the key moving forward is basically balancing out Raw and SmackDown during the draft whenever it happens. Because last year, SmackDown got slaughtered. They got destroyed. Then they cut people, which made this a very thin roster. And Raw was bolstered by the draft picks they got from SmackDown. So you're just hoping they're able to balance out these shows a bit more, have equal talent on both sides, also get some call-ups from NXT as well, hire back more people. I know there are some key people on that list still to come that I feel very bullish about. So I'm going to put you on the spot right now, Scott. If you had the choice to pick up the phone and make a call to a free agent who you know can fill a spot on either show, who would it be and why? Oh, man. People are going to be like, are you serious? But I, I, I think you always need you always need a monster. You always need just a monster type baby face or heel, but you just need a monster for somebody to topple. You know, I'm going to have to talk him into a reasonable price and we're talking a major discount from what he came in for. I'm calling Braun Strowman. I think if Braun Strowman came back, the, like the WWE audience, not the internet, you know, not the people on Twitter and stuff like that, but that audience is going to react to Braun Strowman. If he comes back and starts mowing guys down, he's been away from TV and he doesn't have to win titles. That's the thing with Braun Strowman. You don't put, he's going to be the way, here, God dang it. Every single week I try to not mention this guy's name, but somehow he comes up, God dang it on Kane. Braun Strowman could be like how Kane was. You know, that that's what Kane's role was for so long and he was so good at it. He was just that monster that the baby faces would topple. He would never beat the top tier baby faces. And when a baby face was ready to make that jump to the main event, that was the monster that he had to topple. That's what Braun Strowman can be. You don't push him to the moon. You don't make him champion, but you make him strong enough to when you have, you know, a, a Cody Rhodes who needs a big monster to come back and topple while he after he wins the Rumble and he needs something to do so he's not just, you know, saying the same thing over and over again. That's where Braun Strowman comes in and he's got a monster to go through. There are roles for guys like that. And I think Braun Strowman has a role and a purpose that you can use on a Raw or SmackDown. If you asked me this question a year ago, I was sure. I don't like Braun Strowman anymore. It's not my cup of tea. Irks me a bit. So I don't want him back. In fact, I have my number disconnected. (laughs) I don't want him back. So... I'm sorry. And I used to be a big Braun Strowman fan, but I've soured on him. So I don't want him back in WWE. Now, if I had to call somebody, he also has to come back at a discount because he was getting paid a lot of money. A lot. Call Bray Wyatt. Pick up the phone. Give him a call. I read stories this week about how Vince hated him because he challenged Vince on his bullshit and good for Bray Wyatt challenge an old man on his analogy as to why his shit sucks and you get the rumors oh he's difficult to work with because he challenged me because your ideas suck so I want to see a Bray Wyatt in WWE giving me his full vision full autonomy over his character over who he truly wants to be how much of the Firefly Funhouse is really Bray or Vince 
that swamp fight? Was it more Vincent Bray? I don't know the answer to these questions, but I would love to find out Bray Wyatt coming back to WWE to truly serve who he is as an artiste. I think he has a great mind for the business, very creative. If you give him full autonomy over who he wants to be, it could be a winner and the fans will love to have him back. Now, Bray Wyatt's a great one. Um, you know, I, I think he would be a layup to come back. I would hopefully, I, I, you know, how does he come back? He's the guy that reinvents himself, so I wouldn't even worry about that. So that's a really good call. Um, you know, Keela, if you're against somebody, I, I'm against somebody too. So if you ain't with Braun, I ain't with Braun either. We ain't got to bring that dude back. Screw Braun. You know, Braun could be on that exile list. We'll put him on the... Uh, on the uh, on the uh, on, on Jericho list, on the exiled list, they they both made the list. You know, no no assaulters. You know, no uh, no capital assaulters on our on our on our premises. They we ain't controlling no narratives, so they both can go. But with that said, I'll go ahead and take uh, Bronson Reed back. You know, I mm-hmm. think that's somebody that's kind of made a little bit of a name for himself on the, you know, as far as match quality and really establish himself. And he might not even want to come back because he's just enjoying life the way it is and being this monster. But he's somebody that can come back and you can really push as a monster. And I think I, I can him more than how they pushed Umaga back in the day. They really established Umaga as a monster. So when John Cena beat him, for that WWE title, even though it was a fluke win, Umaga got a lot from that. And they were people were excited and they had a great last man standing match the following Royal Rumble. So I think Bronson Reed or Jonah right now, but he would come back as Bronson Reed is somebody that, you know, you could do a lot of damage and we could really you could push really hard because he would be fresh in the minds of the main roster audience. For sure. And I want him to do his New Japan excursion for now. Enjoy that while he can. It's a once in a lifetime experience to be in the G1 and beat Kazuchika Okada. That is an honor to beat one of the best to ever do it in this business. And I hope that he keeps Triple H on speed out. Maybe in a year or two, he'll come back because his firing last year really irritated me as well. And that is exhibit A why I'm so glad that old man is gone because he can't see talent to save his life. So... I'm definitely here for Bronson Reed coming back to WWE at some point. But let's move on now to Monday Night Raw. And it was live from Cleveland, Ohio. It was a very good show. And I want to highlight one of the best aspects from Monday's show, which was Seth Rollins versus... Angelo Dawkins and Dawkins continues to prove to us. I am not Marty Jannetty. I'm not going to be the Jannetty of the street profits. I am going to put on a performance. I'm going to work my ass off. I'm going to do a backflip out of nowhere, a flip dive here, a crazy suplex there. I'm going to give you a show, but we still got that inner working of a story between Montez Ford and Dawkins and that Montez was at antagonizing Seth during this match and he was going to well on Seth with a steel chair and he's ejected and the announcers noted he has a short temper. He's kind of on the edge a bit and I think it's playing into some kind of dissension eventually in terms of Montez being frustrated about not getting his chance as of late and Angelo Dawkins having another good outing in the ring as well. And I thought it was a very good performance. I love the teases of the stomp that he kept missing repeatedly. And Seth wins the match, not with the curb stomp, but with the pedigree. So I thought the fans were into this match and I thought that Dawkins had a really good performance with Montez Ford also teasing more tension with him almost losing it by welling on Seth with a steel chair. 
Yeah, this was another good match. Um, Seth Rollins continues to prove uh, he's one of the best in the world. Angelo Dawkins, uh, another fantastic showing. I I am a big fan of guys winning matches on TV with their secondary finishers. And I think that's something that should be happening more often. You know, we we see the secondary finisher all the time when they have a big match and it's supposed to be a, you know, a big near fall, but they never win with it. So it's good for fans, for you know, for people to see Seth Rollins hit the pedigree and that's the one, two, three. One thing I like to mention, commentary also um, has was a lot. I thought Jimmy Smith, Jimmy did really well. Uh, this week, I thought he was very sports-like with what he was talking about because he he brought up him and, and Corey actually Byron Saxton. He's he sucks, but but Corey Corey he does though, man. Like he's just there. He's just a voice out there, just chirping. But I thought Corey and Jimmy actually brought some kind of some sports elements to it when they were talking about this match because they mentioned that Angelo went home and did some studying on Seth Rollins and the curb stomp and when he sets up for it, when he's going for it. And that entire match, Seth Rollins went for the curb stomp at least five times. And Angelo Dawkins countered it every single time. And that's why Rollins went to the pedigree. They went, They talked about that on commentary. They hammered that point home every time he missed. They said, Angelo's been scouting that. You know, they talked about that. They worked on that. That's, that's great little bits of storytelling. And that's exactly what you would do in a tag team, if you're going to face in the next week, that's logical. I, I little things made this match so much more than what it was. I, I loved everything about this. Very subtle, great action. And we further with that was happening with the street profits, which we don't know. In my heart, do I want them to split up? No. But at the same time, something's happening. And I love the subtlety of the storyline, which was non-existent about a month ago. But we see it and I'm in for the long-term storytelling in WWE regarding where Montez and Angela will go from here at some point. I do want to touch on a great segment backstage involving Ray, Dominic, and Edge. And Edge apologized to Ray and Dominic for accidentally sparing Dominic at the end of last week's show. And Rhea pushed Dominic in the direction of Edge's spear. And Ray's like, you know what? It's all good. It's all love here. I forgive you. I saw the footage, so I know what's up. Dominic, I gotta say, he kind of manned up on Monday because he had a line that was kind of a bar because he shoved Edge and like, what's wrong with you, son? I've known this man for 20 years and Dom hit him with, you known him 20 years. You've known me 25. What's up with that? And he walks away. He was very irritated. And then later in the show, it's Rey Mysterio versus Finn Balor. Another very good match between the two. Edge comes out to fight off Damian Priest at ringside and Ray's about to hit the 619 on Finn. And then we have Rhea Ripley come out and, and my weekly guilty pleasure now, she carries Dominic Mysterio with one arm over her shoulder. She drops his ass on the stage. He's battered. He's bruised. He's beat up. Ray can't believe it. Finn takes advantage. 1916, coup de gras for the win. And we have Finn and Rhea posing over a broken down and beat up Dominic Mysterio. And we go in the trainer's room and he's getting healed up backstage by the trainers. And we don't know. The validity of this beatdown, was it a legit ambush attack by Rhea Ripley, which I can believe, or 
Was it a ruse that will set up Dominic being Rhea sub her bitch ultimately to be a part of Judgment Day? My fantasy come to life. What are your theories, Scott, on all of this that went down this past Monday on Raw? Well, before we get to the theories, I do want to bring up a, a couple things. Um, I, I do enjoy that, that Dominic decides to, to stand up to Edge. That was a nice little touch. That's the most intriguing Dominic has been since the Seth Rollins match at SummerSlam in his debut. So that's that's a good thing there. Um, you know, the the and another thing that should not be overlooked is we also got blood. Uh, Dominic was was all battered and bruised. And again, Dominic Mysterio for the trifecta um, is living out a lot of guys' fantasies right now. <laughs> I mean, last week he was wrapped up in Rhea Ripley's legs. This week, who knows what happened and why he's all, why she's all giggles and he's all, you know, passed out and worn out. Like he looked like, you know, <laughs> she looks like she, she is satisfied and he looks like he is worn out. You know what I mean? It's one of those type of situations. And, you know, there's just a lot of questions. Uh, this this is absolutely where they, they cut to black on your general hospital, you know, and you kind of let the imagination <laughs> run wild and they come back and Rhea Ripley's cat. This is kind of like that. You know what I mean, Keela? You know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> um, shout out to general hospital, right? No doubt. And, uh, but yeah, I, those are just the questions that, that I have regarding this segment <laughs> and stuff. And those are kind of the things that, that popped into my mind as this was playing out. You are so in my timeline every day. I know it now. <laughs> you know my timeline too well with General Hospital. And it's going to get a shout out every single week on this show. I do fear. But I love it. Shout out to GH. Okay. Shout out to my show. But let's be serious here, shall we? No, let's not be serious. Dom loves getting beat up by Rhea. He's loving it. He's it loving is a kink it. for him. That's He's why he's mad it. at Edge. Let's keep that 100. That's why he mad at Edge. He's like, you're not going to ruin this for me. We got a, I got a good thing going. Mm-hmm. She gives me pleasure and pain at least once a week and it feels good. So don't you ruin this for me, you son of a bitch, okay? They kicked you out for a reason. And now I am going to be the benefactor of your betrayal because she's whooping my ass on a regular basis. It actually reminds me for all of my Buffy fans out there. So Willow, Vampire Willow back in the day when they was in this alternate universe and Buffy never came to Sunny- Sunnydale allegedly. And Willow had Angel tied up, chains, whips, all that shit. So I'm going to say it right now. Rhea Ripley is going to use Dominic as her puppy indefinitely. And I'm here for it. I ain't lying. Here's my puppy. Here, Dominic. Lick the bowl. So let me let me just let me just make sure I'm I'm understanding this. I, I think I've mentioned this on the show before, but let me mention it again. You think that Rhea Ripley is gonna is gonna come out with Dominic in the season one American Horror Story all black leather suit outfit with a chain around its neck, him walking like a dog at some point. Yes. At some point, yes. Well as long as it's after ten o'clock, you might be right. Listen, we're all after dark. Raw we after had Raw Underground after ten o'clock. Let's do Raw After Dark with Judgment Day with Rhea just subbing the shit out of Dominic. It's must-see television. We need this. Dominic is fulfilling every man's fantasy, and woman, by the way, 
because it goes both ways. No doubt. I'm envious. The men are envious. We love Rhea Ripley. She's universally beloved by being the best damn dominatrix in WWE today and a badass certified at that. Man, there's a, there was a video of her pacing the outside of the ring. Like, there's not a lot of people that can, like, look as scary as she does. Because when she was pacing, like, her her, her traps are, are popping out. Her arms are out. Like, she's ready. Like, she looks like a hoss. But then she kind of, like, drops them a little bit. And you look at her and you're like, yeah, you a hoss, but... I'd let you hoss me. I, 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 I'd, I'd be hossed. I'd be hossed. It's a weird thing with Rhea, man. She, she's got that, that weird combination going for. It's a great combination. This is like, it's, it really is. It's like, it's universal. Like she's got something that just stands out as being completely different from anything you see really in professional wrestling. Yeah. And she just has this aura to her that stands out. And this works for her perfectly. And Buddy Matthews, you are one lucky bastard. Congratulations to you. Because I know you get hossed around that crib all day. That's why that man had been on TV. <laughs> Y'all think he was taking care He's of rehabbing. her. Yeah, that dude was rehabbing his own injuries. <laughs> she was taking care of him. Yes. Dominic says, I now know how you feel, buddy, and it feels good. Oh, man. Yes, I love this. I love this. I really do. And that was one of the highlights of Monday Night Raw as I continue to manifest Dominic Mysterio being reassub a part of Judgment Day one day very soon. Finally, at least he's going to turn on his father and it's going to make sense this time. For that, I enjoy it. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I don't, you know, now I'm not quite as sure if he is going to turn or if it's just going to be kind of a does he, don't he, and then he kind of doesn't. But then, I don't know, man. I, I don't know what they do with them because if he does go, does he tag with Dom, you know, with Damian Priest? Do they form a tag team? And that's how we get Finn by himself. It's, I don't know, man. I, I do want to see what happens, but I'm, I wonder what the what the end game is. Is it just Dominic joining a group and seeing what happens, or is it Dominic joining a group and this playing out even longer? So, who knows what's going to happen? But this at least Dominic is doing something and showing some fight. I appreciate him having a nice set of cojones this this week. His balls dropped at long last, no doubt. They did. I was like, damn, you gave Edge the business at twenty five twenty line. I liked it a lot. And here's hoping we get to see the truth of this storyline eventually. I do sense a turn and I just want him to just give me something different as a heel and above all else, cut that fucking rat tail, son. Just, it's gotta go. Snip, snip. Nah, because then he'll be the biggest, he'll be the biggest baby face on the roster. He cut that hair. He gotta keep that if he wants to be a heel. That's the ultimate heel. That's the, that hair? Yeah. That's the ultimate heel turn. And it gives Rhea something to pull. Stop. Well, hey. It's a good yank. Pull him by the neck and do many things. All right. As we try to contain horny hours here on The Wrap, we got to talk about my favorite match for Monday Night Raw. It was for the United States Championship involving the champion Bobby Lashley versus Ciampa. 
My God, what a match. And Ciampa and Lashley have rarely worked together ever, and they produced this match. And I loved that we finally got to see Ciampa cut the promo on TV that we've been seeing on Peacock on Raw Talk as of late, talking about his mentor, Harley Race, talking about his memory and legacy and paying tribute to him by wearing the robe that Harley wore many years ago. He comes out there in the robe. Love the new music, by the way. I do miss No One Will Survive, but I love the remake that Ciampa has as a scene music right now. It is no premium beat, thankfully. It sounds well produced by WWE. But this match was so good. And the fact that Bobby Lashley is so over that the fans... They wanted him to win this match. They were not clamoring for a title change. They were ooing and aahing when Ciampa had the turnbuckle removed and Bobby went face first and he had the shot with the knee strike and the Willow's Bell and he had him in the Gagano escape to DIY do-it-yourself. Nice hint by Corey Graves on commentary. But the fans wanted Bobby to fight back. They wanted him to win the match because he's so over. So he kicks out out of everything. He fights back. Lanzi chokes slam and he locks in Champa in the hurt lock and Champa is fighting he's struggling he refuses to give up until he has no choice but to tap out I thought the layout the promo leading up to the match was great from Champa and the match itself was really strong the false finishes were a lot of fun but above all else Bobby Lashley is that champion when fans clamor for a change and they still want you that really says how great you are are as a champion, how over you are as a WWE superstar at the exact same time. Everybody won from this match, even though Ciampa lost, he won because he elevated his profile to remind everybody how great he is with better booking behind him with Triple H in charge now. Yeah, uh, you know, it's only it's only a matter of time before Ciampa becomes a babyface just because his promo game is so on point. You bring up Bobby Lashley and, uh, you know, before I go into lives, the match was excellent matchup. Um, I, my personal opinion, this should have been the main event. This should have closed out the show. Um, you know, this should have been built up all night. This should have been the storyline thread continuously throughout the show, not just, you know, at the top of the nine or 10 o'clock hour, whenever it came on, but that's a minor thing. When you talk about Bobby Lashley, man, and I mentioned earlier that they did a good job this week of establishing the titles and trying to really make them feel important. Part of making a title feel important and establishing it is making sure that the men and women who hold these titles are important and that the audience cares about them. There's maybe, maybe two or three people in the entire company the audience cares more about than Bobby Lashley right now. And that's a maybe. This guy is, is just, he is, he's, and this is a tribute to WWE just taking care of him. He's one of the few guys who they have done a, a decent job of booking. He doesn't get booked like a chump ever. He, I mean, I, off the top of my head, I can't think of a time. I mean, you'd have to go back all the way to when, you know, Sami Zayn was interviewing his, 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 you know, sisters or whoever they were that came to the show that week on Raw and that awful segment. Like, Lashley's been taken care of these last couple of years since he became WWE champion and the Hurt Business was established. And it's paying off now because the audience has a different appreciation. They see him in a different light. He's established and everything from the, the entrance 
to the way Lashley plays to the audience, to the way he looks, to his moveset, just and and just his entire intensity. Him having the U.S. championship, there's nobody who should help, should be U.S. champion besides him right now because the fans are so invested and so behind him. You mentioned something that was so important about the matchup. You know, the, a lot of times when we have a, a title match, fans are, are all about, you know, the, we want the title change. We want the big moment. We want that. These fans wanted Lashley to win. You know, even though Champa just cut this great heartfelt promo about Harley Race and, and the influence he laid on him and was tributing this match to him, you know, the fans still wanted Lashley to win. They still wanted their guy to come out with the victory, the guy that they're behind, that they that they honestly probably want to see challenge Roman Reigns if we're being particularly – I mean, outside of Drew McIntyre, who's getting a reaction like this? You know what I mean? Like his – I would argue his rival's Drew and is probably bigger if we really want to put him side by side. So Lashley, man it, – it's so important that he's champion right now because the man and the woman make the title. And that's why Lashley is the perfect guy to be U.S. champion. He's great. This dude is in the prime of his career putting in that work. It's remarkable to watch. And he's one of the best champions in WWE today. And it's rare when a fan base is not clamoring for a title change. They're rooting for you against all odds to retain that championship. And WWE deserves a lot of credit for teasing the fans thinking, oh, it's over for Bobby. The announcer is always over the top. But I was biting a couple of times on those nail falls. But Bobby came through and the pop he got really solidified him as being a damn good champion. That is not going to be easy to beat anytime soon. Yeah, I, man, this is a, it's, he's, you know, he's not going to be world champion anytime. You, know, you mentioned he's not going to be world champion anytime soon, but U.S. champion, I think that's, you know, that's, that's, that's a good spot for him. It's, it's a good way, especially, I mean, let me ask you this. How long do you think Roman keeps both belts? I still predict he'll drop something at, at Clash the, at the Castle. That's my guess. Okay, because you have you have to make the U.S. and the IC titles just you have to make them feel on the level of a, of a world champion. Like you have to make it feel like a world title level match, and that's something that's been missing from WWE, and that's something that NXT did really well. And that's something Triple H did well with NXT was making those other title matches, making the North American championship, making the tag team championships feel more important. And I mean, one week in, he's done an incredible job, I feel like. I mean, I feel like both of these titles now feel like main event level titles. And a lot of that has to do with who's holding them. Exactly. Two strong guys holding those belts and Gunther and Bobby Lashley and presentation is everything. Booking is equally as important. And we saw that on Monday and Friday. And I was impressed because we've been asking for this for a very long time. It's time to put some some shine on the champions, the championships and the people vying for these titles at the exact same time. As we segue to NXT 2.0 going down this past Tuesday on USA, a fine show as we get ready for Heat Wave this upcoming Tuesday night. And I want to single out a couple of matches. First up is Apollo Crews versus Roderick Strong. 
And, you know, I like 2.0 most weeks, but sometimes we get a bit outlandish. So once again, Apollo Crews is psychic. Um, He's now that so Raven. He can see into the future. <laughs> it's funny because I just watched an Orlando Brown interview. Hey, you, hey, you talking about that? So Raven, that now that that's a, that's a Raven moment. You must have had one and knew I had watched that interview. Like, let me bring that up and pop him too. Because God dang, what a what a reference right there. <laughs> well, we did have that that's a Raven moment. Like we saw into Apollo Cruz's eyeball. We went into the future and we saw the Creed brothers and Damon Kemp knocked out, laid out by who we don't know. And he just came right back to us saying, oh, I saw that. Did you? I hate that. Can we eliminate that from Apollo Cruz's repertoire of him seeing into the future? I don't want to go that so Raven on us. Please stop. I don't want it. But the match itself was great. It was the best thing on the show by far. Two season vets going out there putting in that work. But we go backstage and Julie Julius Creed, my guy, is watching some match footage from a couple of weeks ago, and he notices something that Roddy did. And Roddy says, what you doing? You didn't come out here to support me? You didn't root for me? And Brutus says, lesson learned, huh? You passed the test. So before Julius gets to point out what Roddy did, Roddy destroys the laptop, and it remains a mystery. So I still stick to my prediction that Roddy's going to flip on the Creed brothers and Damon Kemp, and we will have the alpha male battle between Roger Strong and Julius Creed. It will be a 20-minute clinic at a PLE sometime in September, and I will live for it. It will be Julius's match of his life, and Roddy Strong will always deliver. But I loved everything about this outside of Cruz going, that's a raven. 2004 you know i i had i was gonna call him apollo final destination cruise but the, the that's a raven one is so much better i i, I can't even top that route i will say roderick strong was also in that vision he was also laid out with the three of them and and that's what kind of threw me and I, I wonder i wonder if apollo cruise is just gonna lose his mind and just run through all three of them you know i like or all four of them because I have no idea what, like, what, what is that supposed to be exactly? Like, when did he get powers? Um, what, what lake did he get dropped in? When did he visit Matt Hardy's backyard? Uh huh. You know when, and 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 when, when did he also come out of the swamp that the Wyatt family came out of? Uh, did he? Like, wh- he's got power. He came to NXT with powers. I mean, I think that's cheating. If he has powers, that's not fair. How he got power? Where did he go to get powers? Because I, I need to go. If I'm Cameron Grimes, I'm like, well, where'd you go, dude? Because you know, uh, I, I'm trying to get back on track. I ain't got no more money. I ain't got my title. I want what <laughs> you got. You seeing into the future. You using that to wrestle. I'm trying to use that for lottery. You know, we we got different ambitions right here. I, I got stocks to buy. So that. I just want to know where this man got powers from because I think this is absolutely ridiculous. They had a a, a nice, cool, badass black character, and instead of just leaving this man be, they was like, you know what? We got to give some reparations out, so let's give my man some superpowers. <laughs> let's make this man a superhuman. Oh boy, the things we do on two point It's either horny hours. Or it turns into a Marvel movie. Why, why can't it just be a wrestling show? I don't know. Like, did he find vibranium somewhere? Did he find something 
that could give him the special powers was he bit by a radioactive spider is he an x-men now i don't know what the hell is going on but it needs to stop can he just be a great professional wrestler can he do that can he please hey listen you know i i i don't know I, I don't know. I, I don't. At least it hasn't gone into his mouth. Like I, I'm surprised. If Vince McMahon was still here and was still like really had a hand in 2.0, there is no question. Mid match at some point, we would have seen a cut. Like when the commercial cuts, we would have seen like a vision of what's going to happen in the match, and then it would have happened in the match. Like they would have showed us the match, <laughs> and then they would have did the actual match again. Like I, I just think this whole thing is ridiculous that this guy can have premonitions and see all these beatdowns. And what a dickhead for not telling anybody. You know? Like, you you, you, you see into the future, and you know they about to get laid out by somebody. And what's up with the green light, too, by the way? Like, is that what's going Is that what your mind looks like? Is your mind all green and stuff? What, you got gamma radiation going on in there? You ain't the Incredible Hulk. You ain't She-Hulk. She-Hulk ain't see into the future. What is that? And then, So, I, I, this whole thing, I'm salty. This is this is salty Scott stuff right here because this just pisses me off. It, it really made me upset watching that whole thing happen. It did for me as well. I was taken out of the moment. I tweeted about it, and it's still true to this day. But I got to shout out somebody on this show, as you mentioned, Cameron Grimes, who is going through a midlife career crisis. For the first time ever, I'm going to shout out Joe Gacy because this man had a cold line when Cameron Grimes. Who, sh- who, by the way, called out Idris Anofe and Malik Blake for leaving work early. He says, I'm going home. And Joe Gacy said to who? Like, oh my God. <laughs> wow. <laughs> to who? Damn. So he ain't got no money, no woman, no man or nothing. Like he just down and out. I, I, well, I mean, yeah. I, and, you know, Idris and Anofa, I think Lash Leisure fits with them too. Let me just throw that out there while we're on them. Um, yeah, Cameron Grimes, he's he's got it rough. I, I again, I, at least he's not having visions. You know, no, he's just going through it. He's just having a, an actual, real midlife crisis. That's something that that's something that people can can relate to. Yeah, as long as he doesn't shave his head and join Joe Gacy and company, we're good and grows a glass eye at the exact same time. I don't want that for him. Oh, this is this absolutely could play out like Daniel Bryan and the Wyatt family. Mm-hmm. I, I, I could easily see this kind of going that really that same route. I mean, this is kind of has all the makings, all the blueprints of it. He's down and out. You know, Jay Gacy's always just around I, and it could work. That, this could be what kind of puts him over the top because he's always just kind of missing that little bit from being that top tier baby face. You know, even when he won the million dollar title and when he won the North American title, there was always just something missing a little bit from him being the top baby face. And maybe this will be what puts him over the top. But that's kind of how I see the story playing out. I see it as well. And at least Joe Gase is being a better creep these days. I do appreciate that. He's leaning leaning into being a cult leader that's very, very creepy. And for that, it's a step up. Yeah, I'll take the the, uh, the cult leader over. Again, I'll take this over what Apollo Crews is doing. (laughs) Which isn't very good. As we segue to... Zoe Stark versus Cora Jade. I thought this was a very nice main event. Zoe Stark is great. Cora Jade is getting better. But I got to talk about Zoe Stark's finisher. That GTS, my lord, the flip over into the knee. 
she rocked Cora Jade and then she just absolutely demolished Mandy Rose and she looked great with the NXT Women's Championship. I don't think she's going to win the title on Tuesday at Heat Wave, but I've missed Zoe Stark in the ring. She's so good, a perfect hybrid of a high flyer, but she will strike the shit out of you at the at the exact same time. And I love that about her matches. So a nice main event, a nice showcase match for Zoe Stark as she gets ready to face Mandy Rose for the championship this Tuesday at Heat Wave. Yeah, I thought the first half of this match was not very good. I thought it was a little clunky, but that second half of the match, I thought they really gelled, really got on the same page, and it was a really fine match in the back half towards the end. And again, that's another little thing that Triple H has really gone out of his way to do. The women are very, very much heavily featured uh, on all shows. I mean, opening segments, just opening hours, main eventing shows, the women are heavily featured when a Triple H, you know, kind of administration is being run. And that's something that you see. I would say this, if Zoe Stark and Nikita Lyons win their match, uh, they, they have a match Monday, right? Uh, Friday. So Friday. Got, See, if it was Monday, I would say if, if they won their match. I, I, think, I think Zoe Stark might win next week. I think she might, because I think they're going to go pretty far in that tag tournament and mess around. <laughs> and they might mess around and get to the finals. And I could see them wanting to showcase the NXT Women's Champion, Zoe Stark walking around as the champion, picks up a couple big wins on the main roster shows. I think Zoe Stark might mess around and pick up a win next week against Mandy Rose. I, she can, Mandy Rose can have, has been established as, as a good, as, you know, as kind of a gatekeeper of this women's division. She's done a good job. She can take the loss. Toxic Attraction just lost the tag titles. I, I think Zoe Stark beats her next week. I would love to see it. It would be a very pleasant surprise. Do I think it's going to happen? I don't know, but I love the theory of her being spotlighted as the NXT Women's Champion on the main roster for a bit. And I think she's really good in the ring. Personality-wise, needs some work, but the work rate in the ring is never a question. So I do see that as a possibility to amplify NXT 2.0 in some way. And she'll be doing a lot of lifting for that match for Nikita Lyons, who was very green against Kiana James this past Tuesday. It wasn't a bad match, but it was very rough around the edges. And now we're live on SmackDown, bright lights. We're in Montreal, Quebec. Crowd can be ruthless. We'll see what she'll do alongside Zoe Stark versus Natalia and Sonya Deville. <sighs> you know, then again, that's a team that I could see winning a lot. But, you know, Nikita Lyons and Zoe Stark are two people that because I I see that as kind of being the feud going forward too. I see Nikita Lyons turning on Zoe Stark at some point during this tag match, and that could be kind of how they an NXT title feud. If they, oh man, because I'm kind of over Natalia in the ring too. Like I, I, Sonya Deville is somebody I would like to see moving forward, and this is something I've kind of thought about with the entire women's tag team division and this whole tournament is whatever teams that you plan on keeping, like whatever groups that you really plan on keeping together, those are the people or that you have plans for. Those are the people that you need to have winning like Raquel and Aaliyah. I could see them as a team going forward. They have, I think they have a good synergy together. I think they work well together. And I think it's best to utilize both of them in these smaller spurts. Raquel can just run like a madhouse and look like a monster. And Aaliyah can sell what she's really good at. And I think that also can work here because I could see 
like I said, I could see Nikita and Zoe if she wins the title. That playing out as you know they they're you know they're on the same page and all this, and they're winning these matches and they're building this momentum. But Nikita Lyons wants that NXT title. She turns on Zoe during this tournament. So there's a lot of things they could do with that, and I, I think that's something that we should keep an eye on is the teams who win these matches should be the teams that stick together going forward. A makeshift team shouldn't be moving on if you don't plan to keep them together. If you're going to have this division work. Absolutely. We got eight teams right now. I want at least six of them to survive the tournament. That ain't happening. We need, uh, well, we need four at the minimum. Yes. Please. Hopefully fingers crossed. Don't break up everybody. I'm going to go ahead and tell you six ain't happening. We can barely listen. I'm just been happy to get six people on the show. And that's, you know, we've been getting that in one segment because we got them six badass women that come out all the time. We got the, we got the new uh, raw six, you know, we got, we got the raw six with them and I can't wait to see them start mixing it up by the way, but six teams stick together. I, I, I can't see, I'd love to see it, but I don't, I don't know if I will see. I mean, I, let me ask you, which, out of those eight teams, which which four do you think legit could stick together and should stick together? I, you know, I think Aaliyah and Raquel is one that would work really well together. Sonya and Natalia could work together, but I think Sonya's got a lot more to offer as a singles. I agree. I would say bring back Mandy Rose for Sonya. Oh, Reunite good. them as a tag team. That's the only time they ever gelled together and they clicked chemistry-wise. I would have them as a team. I would absolutely keep EO Sky and Dakota Kai oh, together. Absolutely. Yeah, Keep them together. My last team, I would say I would swap out Alexa Bliss for Asuka and just give me Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss. Okay. Yeah. I think that works too. Um, and yeah, it's, I, I like that. And I, you know, again, I'm pissed off that Oscar is in this, this, this tag division. I, she's to me, she's way too big for the tag division. And I, you know, that you could say that, you know, you want the big stars to make the titles feel important. Well, they're not winning the titles first off. Secondly, she's too big for this tag division. She's, she's in that mix with the Bianca's, the Becky's, you know, the Charlottes, the Baileys, she's in that mix. She's not in this tag division mix, in my opinion. She's she's too big for that. Agreed. But for right now, it works. You're going to get a good match on Monday, and we'll see how it goes as we expect fully at some point the real champs to show up before this tournament is over. Yeah, that has to be the end game, and what a reaction they're going to get um, whenever they do show up. I. You know, and it kind of makes you wonder who is going to be the champ. It, it, you know, I have to think that it's got to be EO and Dakota because I think that also is probably going to be your best matchup. Sasha and Naomi versus EO and Dakota. That's that's a money matchup. And then I, I don't think Sasha and Naomi win that match, by the way, whenever they do come back because I think it would be absolutely foolish to keep Sasha Banks in the tag division. I know she may want to, and I know that may be like the only way you bring her back, but man, Sasha Banks is a single star. You can keep Naomi there if you want to, but Sasha Banks is, whenever she comes back, you got to, that's, that's a star. That's a face of the company type star. That's somebody you put on all the, the, the banners, everything, social medias, all that stuff. Her face is everywhere. That's somebody you do that to. She's somebody else who is too big for the tag division. Yes, but I think in her case, I think that when she's given anything 
in any capacity. She wants to make it better. So let me do this. Let me put some TLC on it. Then let me move on. And I think that'd be the best way to say I've done what I needed to do to elevate this division. And it will stay that way with better people in charge. And now I can move on. And that is key. If you got competence at the top, it'll make for a smoother transition back to the singles division. Yeah, that's probably a good point. And maybe she does just want to establish those tag champs. And I'm fine with that, too. But she don't need she don't need to spend no more than maybe two cups of coffee there. (laughs) <laughs> Indeed. As we now segue to Friday Night Smackdown on Fox going down from NC State this past Friday night, I had to watch a show on a delay because I had to watch the Falcons preseason football and they won. So that was a small consolation. But still, I missed Smackdown in real time. That irritated me. But I thought it was a very good show once again. And I want to call out Karrion Cross and Scarlett because I said, this is your chance to prove yourselves to me as to why you deserve a second chance. And I was impressed with a 90 second promo from Karrion Cross. He was straight to the point about his mission statement. He called out Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre. He talked about the bloodline now being on his timeline and Scarlett looking gorgeous as ever in the background. And she had her presence felt on SmackDown as well when she made her way to the ring to trap Drew McIntyre into a beatdown by the Usos. I love the black and white into color immediately by the bloodline. Very nice production touch by WWE. But Karrion Cross with hair just hits differently. I like the promo a lot. He came off like a star. He reminds me a bit of Edge, and that's a compliment. He sounded really strong and self-assured of himself, and he needs this. I think that this main roster run will be much better than whatever the hell we got last year with the goddamn Gladiator helmet. Yeah, um, you know, I was, I'm also one of those people that was, and I'm still not, you know, I'm I'm still going to hold out until I see what, see what he's going to do in the ring. But I thought this promo was excellent. I really enjoyed the promo, really enjoyed everything, kind of his tone, everything he was kind of saying about it. <coughs> Excuse me. He had a little bit of a, a edge presence to him, the way he was, his cadences, the way he was talking. He kind of looked like he kind of had the same kind of facial expressions as well. His, he, you know, little things about, promos and stuff make a big difference i'm a big guy when it comes to little things he laid out his motivations as far as why he's back he laid out his goals as far as what he wants to do what he wants to set out to do and you know he laid out why he wants to do these things and how he's going to do them you know i i love when people give a motivation and give a reason why that they're there why they're wrestling he wants to he wants to take out the quote unquote chosen ones, you know, little things like that. And and that's who they are. Drew McIntyre has always been known as the chosen one. And Roman Reigns, we we know that. That doesn't mean they don't deserve those spots, but they are who they are. And Cross is like, hey, that wasn't me. And I'm but I'm back here and I'm not letting this one go. That's a good motivation for a guy like that. Uh, and I also like when they came out in the ring that it was just Scarlet by herself. There's a nice dynamic there that they're working with. They're, they're mixing things up. You're not getting cross in the ring every week, but you're getting Scarlet every in the ring every week. That's smart. Scarlet is somebody I would put out there every week. Cause then, you know, when cross does show up, shit's about to go down. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's about to get real and we need to, Hey, let's, let's get on our P's and Q's. So, I, I like the dynamic that we have going on right now with Scarlet and Cross, and I I am more intrigued now with Karrion Cross than I think I've ever been. 
Agreed. And can I just say how stunning Scarlet looked on Beautiful. Friday? My Lord. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I did crack up at Jay telling her, you tell your man. <laughs> hey, Jay don't care if you, oh, you're a man, a woman. <laughs> he don't care what you are. You come in that man ring. He going he gonna to talk to you any type of way. He was so... Di- hey, that is one of the most disrespectful ways you could talk to somebody is to be hunched over like that. Like, hey, look, and you tell your man... <laughs> and, and, she, and, and let me tell you this, Scarlett, Scarlett and see Scarlett and been around, you know, she'd have been around the way a few times because she won't face. She was like, oh, that's funny because I even wanted to tell you the same thing, you know, but look, Jay, that's a disrespectful dude. Let me tell you, that is a disrespectful dude for him to be hunched over and talk to her like she was a five year old child. Yeah, he disrespectful. Tell your mans. We got it. <laughs> hey, you disrespectful. Karen Cross going to choke him out. That's yes. and he gonna say that's for talking to my wife like that. He gonna choke him out for that. The way that Jay tried it, and to just shout out the Usos one more time. When Sami Zayn fled, fled from the scene when Drew whooped up on them, and Jimmy hit Sammy with "What's up, track star?" He was running real fast from the scene. Like they had some great <laughs> lines on down. I holler, caught him in a track star because Sammy was running like Usain Bolt. He sure did. I saw the shadow running down the hall during that beatdown. But he ate a claymore to make up for it later in the show, though. I'm going to tell you, I, you know, because Drew came out and I'm watching the beatdown and I'm waiting on like Sammy to come back with like a chair or something to hit him and like, you know, you see, I'm here, here. And I, I, I turn and I like, put my phone down or something. And I look, Sammy gone. And then when Drew moves out the way, Sammy is all the way down the hall, just kind of looking back at what I'm like, holy hell. What <laughs> this boy, this boy done put on his flash boots and was gone. Let me tell you. And he probably took something because Sammy around the way too. So, you know, he ain't going home empty handed either. So he walked out because he left the arena. Well, now he didn't. He came back and caught, caught that Claymore. But he at least went to the car for a minute and made sure Drew thought he was gone. He drove around the block and came back and parked the car and then went to the rest. What happened? But what in the world? Why they got Sammy running around with his pants down like that? Tail tucked between his legs. That was embarrassing. His shadow was running faster than Sammy. He was gone. The shadow was like, where's Sammy at? Gone? What up, Trackstar? <laughs> I hollered. Jimmy and Jay had great one-liners on Friday. And speaking of one-liners, oh, a happy moment happened on SmackDown. It was teased online over the last few days that certain group was coming back to WWE. Top dollar. Ashanti the Adonis. Hit row. And I was like, okay, but I need somebody else to come back too to complete this trio that I miss so much. May Swerve thrive in AEW. But when I saw B-Fab with her guys and she was just living it up. I almost wanted to cry because this was the most egregious cut from last year outside of Keith Lee getting cut alongside Karrion Cross and Scarlett. I was just angry at those cuts. But look, we got them back. The fans loved them. They had a nice showcase match against two local yo- local yokels. They did a they did a freestyle once their match was over to remind people who they were. I loved this reintroduction of Hit Row and they are going to thrive on this show with a fair shot. I always saw it for them and kind of like Judgment Day, B-Fab makes Hit Row Hit Row. She just has presence for days and I'm glad they're back together, shaking things up on SmackDown as they should have been dating back to last year. 
you know, I, I'm I'm going to be that guy that stands on this hill. Hit Row just hit different, man. And, you know, it's not the same without Swerve. There's no doubt about that. You can't replace Swerve. You, you know, and you can't try to. That guy is an enigma. You know what I'm saying? He's one of a kind. You can't replace him. But that does those that doesn't mean that those three can't thrive on their own. And Keila, I'm with you. When when I saw them come out, you know, and you when you heard the hero and that joint hit, and she, you know, you hear her voice, and you're like, all right, you know, it's my first thought was, well, she got to be coming back, right? But then I'm like, nah, she ain't coming back. They come out, I, I, top dollar. Let me tell you, there's something about top dollar, man. That when he gets on the mic, he's gonna start. I, I think especially when he when he's able to cut a promo on somebody and really lay into somebody. I think that's when you're really gonna see the best out of Top Dollar on the mic. But she walked out, and I got up off my couch and started throwing my hands up because I, man, that this this hits different for so many other reasons. Um, you know, people may not remember, but there was a, a little movement back in back in the day during I, I want to say it was during the, the COVID time, during the COVID era. Um, you know, there was a black wrestling draws, you know, and one of the biggest draws that AEW ever got was uh, was Big Swole. And it was because of that hit row is is kind of that is that connection for WWE, I feel like they can be that. Like they they bring an entirely different presence that feels authentic. You know, this isn't crime time that are all you know always trying to steal or gamble. You know, that's all wearing Timberlands and tank tops, looking like they straight out of a Nelly Hot in Here video. You know, this this isn't them. This is this is a legit you know tag team that are are legit hip hop people. You know, B Fab and Top Tyler, they they do this. Like, you know, Ashante Diadonis, he's a great fit for this group as well. And the the synergy that they have, you could tell that they just bring a different energy. The vibe changed when that music hit. The crowd is with them. I, I mean, I there's there seems to be some type of pushback against them, some underground swelling of and it almost feels like they they don't want them to succeed. And it's a weird thing because, you know, I, I just feel like they connect to a completely different audience. And, you know, I don't want to be that guy, but I feel like there's a certain audience that is kind of that maybe just doesn't get hit row. And that's why they're not really feeling it. But let me tell you, there's a there is an audience that is 100 percent behind and feeling what hit row is bringing to the table. I felt that in NXT last year when they first formed the group and Swerve was front and center and he was that guy and B-Fab was that girl and Ashanti and Top Dollar fill things out nicely. They just hit different. As you keep saying, it's a different vibe every time they come out there. It's different. It's fresh. And things change. The aura in the room changes. And it was so frustrating as a fan to see that cut from them for no reason because somebody talked their shit and said, why you got rid of B-Fab? Like, it's so interesting to me that you don't like when people talk back to their boss. Like, 
Do you like your job? Do you do you sometimes feel as if your boss sucks and you want to be ballsy enough to say, you know what, I'm not feeling this exactly? Are you brave enough to say, fuck this job and do what you need to do to get your point across? That's why I stood so much for Sasha and Naomi. They were over the bullshit. Sometimes you got to question old people that don't know what they're doing. And sometimes they bite back by firing you. But look where he's at and look where they are. Back to where they're supposed to be. Back getting a fair shot to be over, to be the stars they're meant to be. Triple H called them off, off the, really, from the moment he got the gig. Off the jump. That's what he did. And I was so happy because what happened to them, they didn't deserve it. And when somebody calls you out and you get fired, sometimes you got to bite that bullet, but you stood on your principles to say, this is why I did it. Cause you made a dumb decision and I called you out on it, but now I'm problematic. Now I have an attitude problem. Same heat that Keith Lee got, Bray Wyatt got, Top Dollar got because they were defiant. And they said, you know what? No, cut, cut the shit to quote Jay Cargill. And look where Vince is and look where they are back on the job in WWE and getting the pop they deserve. And I hope they thrive because now we get to see promos with Hero and the Usos and the New Day. My God, can we get a three-way rap cipher at some point on this show? I would love to see it. Hey, man, I, I just think there's a lot of potential with these guys. And it, I will say this. If B-Fab wasn't there, I think we're having a completely different conversation. It doesn't mean I don't think they could have been successful. But I think the three, I think this, this three, this synergy brings a different energy. And, and she is it. She does not need to wrestle. That's, and that's fine. She does not need to get in the ring. She never needs to step in the ring, but her presence on the outside and in the entrance and just being around them is everything that it needs to be. And it's everything for me. Like I, I <laughs> this is the, this is that, that jump that the tag division needs that jolt the lightning and they don't need to face any real tag teams for a couple weeks. Let them squash a couple guys for a couple weeks cut a couple of nice promos afterwards. And then they cut the promo where they come out and say, yo, we're tired of beating these nobodies. Give us somebody. You know what I mean? Very something, very simple, straight to the point. And then I think that's how you really introduce them. The top dollar got a lot of moments this week. Next week, let Ashante get a lot of moments. Let him dominate the match. Then next week, you show off a couple different moves. I would have them in the match in a different move for the next month. I would have they should they should have four different moves that they end the match on this next month. And then when they face a real tag team, anytime they hit one of those moves, we have a believable near fall all because you built them up for one month beating nobodies. And I don't mean that as disrespect. I just mean that as, you know, they're they're no no and not people who have been recognized on TV yet, but you have them beating guys like that for four weeks with a different move, very similar to how Brian Danielson was debuted in AEW. You know, I, stuff like that matters. And it just makes things so much easier to get behind this stuff. Yes, and I'm so glad they're back and they'll get a chance to show that in the weeks to come on SmackDown as we move on to the contract signing for the SmackDown Women's Championship at Clash of the Castle involving Liv Morgan, the SmackDown Women's Champion, and Shayna Baszler. And Liv Morgan got booed last week in South Carolina. We're in North Kakalaki this week, and we still get the You Tapped Out chance, but it wasn't as loud as this week, thankfully. And Ronda Rousey comes out first, and she drops a bag full of money to pay her fine. And I got to say, she looked like she wanted to be there. She cut a solid promo. She's a badass. The fans actually like Ronda as the badass who is anti-authority. Who would have thunk that? And I love her aura as she basically told Shayna, 
you used to be a killer. What happened to you? And that teases something down the road as well on SmackDown and ultimately some pay-per-views as well. But the contract signing was good to the point Shayna was going to break Liv limb from limb. And Liv says, you know what? You are a bootleg Ronda Rousey. I beat the real thing twice. I'll beat you too. Like, go live with the lines this week. Being a bit more confident. So they signed the contracts and Shayna goes after that left arm. She just stumps on it, beats her down. But Liv... Hits a Stratisfaction Bulldog to Shayna through the table. A nice spot with one good arm to wrap up a pretty entertaining contract signing by WWE standards. Yeah, this was good. Um, Liv was fine. Shayna was fine. Um, you know, the the Ronda Rousey was kind of the best thing of the segment. But even she was just fine. I, I thought she had a nice fire, but she... She's just not good on the mic, and that's just and that's okay. But when she's tossing people around and she dropped the bag of money, and she she does, hey, I thought she looked pretty good. You know, the all black work for this, uh, you know, on Friday night. I thought that was a good look for you. So you know, this was this was fine. I don't think live. I think Shayna wins. You know, I think we're we're under the Triple H administration now, and Shayna Baszler winning just makes sense. I mean, you. Shayna Baszler versus Ronda Rousey is a matchup people would be excited to see. I think that's an intriguing matchup. I don't need to see Ronda versus Liv Morgan again. We've we've gone through that twice. I think it's not an, an absolutely an abomination that she's the only person to have beat Ronda twice, but that's a whole another subject. Ronda versus Shayna Baszler is where the money is. So I see Shayna beating Liv Morgan at Clash. A bold prediction is very possible. And I do see money in Shayna Baszler versus Ronda as well. And Shayna is a great talker. She could definitely do that for Ronda. And they can both bring intensity. And they would have a really good shoot fight for the SmackDown Women's Championship when that time calls for it. But now let's talk about the main event. For the Intercontinental Championship, Gunther versus Shisuke Nakamura dressed like a gold Power Ranger. I like the aesthetic this past Friday. And I thought this was a really good match. And once again, we get a really good video presentation of the history of the IC title and the different iterations of that belt and where we are today. And this was a really good match. Michael Cole, great on the call as always. And Gunther chopping the soul out of Shinsuke Nakamura at various points, slapping him as well. Shinsuke Nakamura was spotting with knee strikes and an arm breaker as well to break the arm of Gunther. And Gunther working with one good arm, but still delivering suplexes, Germans, butterfly suplexes as well. And the drop kicks, my God, the the missile drop kick that Gunther landed to the back of Shisuke Nakamura was sick right before the power bomb for the win. I thought this was a very strong match. Love the Kinshasa into the clothesline by Gunther as well. Well worked. Both men showed up and showed out. And I thought this was a really strong way to reestablish the IC title as a viable belt to have in WWE with Gunther being the perfect champion at this time. Yeah, this was a great main event. Um, Shinsuke looked great in the feet. Gunther looked great winning the match, gutting it out. I thought Shinsuke was great trying to chop him down the entire time. He started with the legs. Then once he realized that Gunther's whole thing is about, you know, chopping you and beating you down, he went to the arm to try to take out some of the maneuvers. Gunther did a great job selling it. Even when he hit the power bomb, you notice that when he threw him down, he, he threw him down with the right arm. The left arm was there, but he didn't throw him down with that left arm. That left arm kind of stays stationary as the impact came from the right side or which, whichever side he was selling the right side. So with the left side that was where he threw him down at, but little things like that where he sold the arm and then the other arm was the one he used to bring the impact. It adds to the match. Uh, really enjoyable. I'm, you know, 
this was probably my match of the week. I, I loved everything about it. They made the IC title feel important. Agreed. And that has been a long time coming. Get the championship on a pay-per-view, damn it. Preferably at Clash of the Castle. Your prediction of Sheamus versus Gunther works for me. That would be a bruising battle between two badasses. I'm living for it. But a nice way to wrap up another good episode of SmackDown. And we are basically four for four in terms of good shows from Raw and SmackDown. Two for weeks into the Triple H administration. Yeah, I've been very happy with what I've seen. Um, you know, I... I, again, up until leading up until Clash is going to be very telling as far as how the stories are going to be told, how he's going to streamline things. And then the Clash itself, this is a very interesting time. And I think the intrigue is important, but he's knocking things out the park, which is keeping people around. Exactly. With more surprise returns to come in the weeks to come. As we wrap up the show with our best match of the week, I think Scott alluded to it earlier that it could be the match we saw on SmackDown for the Intercontinental Championship. Is that official, Scott? Like Adam Pierce would say, is that official? That's your go to pick this week. Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. NXT UK had my pick uh, Oliver Carter versus Charlie Dempsey. That was my match of the week so far. I thought that was a great opening contest. And I know we wrap for time, but. If you want to get into NXT UK, now is the time to do it. Um, Dragunov just had to vacate the title due to an injury. So there's a, a tournament right now. It's crowned a new champion. And you're going to get introduced to some pretty much some of the top guys there. And this is a great introductory to the tournament. Great matchup between those two. But yeah, Seamus, I mean, not Seamus, Walter versus Walter. Gunther versus Shinsuke Nakamura for the IC title is my match of the week. Walter popped out a few times during that match. I ain't gonna lie. Oh, there yeah, was some Walter-isms shot, there. Woo, them shots, boy. <laughs> hey, Shinsuke, Shinsuke was smiling, but he was smiling because he didn't want to scream. That boy was like, boy, my chest is red. It's hot. And it's burning hot. Oh, he was going through it. He really was. My pick this week, I'm going to cheat. It's going to be a tie because WWE spotlighted the U.S. and IC titles. So I'm going to shout out Bobby Lashley versus Ciampa and Gunther versus Shisuke Nakamura. Two really strong matches to really reestablish what these titles mean and what they can be for WWE. Two stellar championship matches bookending these shows. And I love to see it. Let's keep it going as we move forward with our television shows and ultimately the PLEs as well to make these titles worthy of being put on the line for every PLE moving forward. Imagine if they keep this type of care with Gunther and Lashley all the way to Survivor Series and the only champion versus champion match we get is Gunther versus Lashley. I I mean, that would be, that would be just an epic clash and the fans would go nuts for that match, especially if you keep this build like that and you make it special as the only champion versus champion match. And maybe you put something on the line, you know, do whoever wins gets the 30th slot in the Royal Rumble. Like you could do something so simple like that and make the match actually count for something. I I just think what you, what they've done with these titles is great. And I hope they continue that because that survivor series match, if they do, it's going to be incredible. Could be very special. And as we reimagined Survivor Series last year via this show, I think our first full show together, let's hope the Triple H reinvents what this show is supposed to be heading into WrestleMania season because I do want some Warrior Rumble stakes for these matches heading into Survivor Series in November. It's real. It's easy. It's all right there.
Very simple. And with that, this wraps up this week's episode of The Wrap right here on the Fiking Media Network. I hope that you enjoyed it as we chop at all things WWE. So, Scott, thank you as always for joining me as we take a deep dive into the land of world wrestling entertainment. Thank you, Keela, for having me. Um, you know, and uh, I just want to make sure I reiterate if Keela don't rock with you, I ain't rocking with you. So sorry, Bron. I had to put you on the exile list all because Keela ain't rock with you. It just be like that sometimes. I got to stick with my captain, no captain. I appreciate that. He's ride or die to the end, ladies and gentlemen. And if I don't rock with you, you ain't coming along for the ride. And if this was 2017, all day, Bron Strowman. Now, not so much. You talking about haircuts? We ain't even talk about that. Talk about haircut, man. Why? Why would you even grow your hair back out, dude? I, I, why, why you just ain't stay bald? You went bald. Why you just ain't stay bald? You know, once you go bald, you can't grow your hair out. You look like you look like a jacked up Larry David. What's wrong with you? Ooh. Ooh. And he cannot curb my enthusiasm whatsoever. <laughs> I love that. That was a good. That was excellent. That was excellent, right? That was, that was a great follow up right there. You know what? I'm doing the Champa pat on my back. I'm very proud of myself. Thank you very much. And we'll be back next week covering all things WWE once again, like LA Knight covering a photo shoot for Maximum Male Models because that was so not Max Dupree this week. Nah, LA Knight, LA Knight is slowly on his way back. And I loved it. He was tremendous with the facial expressions backstage with Angel Garza and Alberto Cotorillo, who also are going to get a push on SmackDown, I believe. Yeah, the tag division underlings, uh, our undercard is going to get a nice little spotlight. Yeah, so until next week, for myself and for Softy Scott Young, that's a wrap on all things WWE. Have a great week, folks. Bye-bye.